0: Welcome to the Thrive Church podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Kick off a new uh, four-week series that will lead us into Christmas Eve, and it's called "Come." to worship. And here's what I want to do during this Christmas season is I want to draw our attentions back to Jesus. I, I, I want us to, to look and have our affection stirred for the real, if I can say it, can I be cliche? The real reason for the season, hallelujah. Uh, it's Jesus. And so what I want to do in the next four weeks is draw us back to the focus of the real reason for the season, who is Jesus. And we're going to be talking about the idea of worship and looking at the wise men. Matter of fact, um, the title of this series comes from Matthew 2, verse 2. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn there. And it's speaking from the wise men's point of view, the Magi's point of view. They say, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And we have come to worship him we're going to look at the sacrifices they made and how they even expressed worship but what they did was they came to worship Jesus the sad and tragic thing in our society and culture especially more in westernized Americanized Christianity is we often come to God to get things we don't come to God to worship we would never admit this but even as we pray we pray that God would do our bidding And that we could rub the genie in the bottle, we could rub that bottle enough and say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And hopefully God, poof, will make stuff appear for us, right? Sometimes we have the mindset that God exists to serve us, when the truth of the matter is we exist to serve God. And we get that backwards. We think if we have the formula right, then God's got to do what we want to do. And I love the fact here that the wise men came to worship him. As you know um, from the Christmas account that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. My, I was trying to teach my son that for the video that we're going to be doing on Christmas Eve. You've got to be here for that, um, to see that video. It's going to be awesome. And he kept calling it Frankenstein. I was like, no, son, it's frankincense, not Frankenstein. But they worshipped him. They came to worship him. You know, at Thrive Church, we do a lot of things well here. I really enjoy, uh, you know, being the lead pastor at both these locations. And you people here are awesome. Um, It's really an enjoyable thing. We serve well, like thank you for serving and all that you guys do. Missions, we sent 25 people on a mission trip. We send thousands of dollars to missions and church planning. Uh, Man, we have done so much for people in this community. You wouldn't believe how many homeless people um, that we we actually exhausted all of our benevolence budget before the end of the year, so we have nothing left in that budget because we have just given, given, given to people. We do a lot of things well. But I believe that we can always get better in the area of worship, especially personal worship, and corporate worship it's so important and if maybe you're like me and you didn't come from a church where um or a place where um people actually uh worship right like maybe if you're like me i grew up in a in a really um most of the most of my church services i attended were in a building like this that was a methodist church and after every song what did we say y'all amen anybody, did anybody do that raise your hand right handbells, I'm okay, good, you're there. Um, and so if you went to a church where you saw people expressing love to God during worship, it was a little weird. Kind of like when you were a kid and you watched your parents kiss. You're like, ooh, what are they doing? Like, I know they're supposed to do that, but I'm not supposed to be watching this. Like, you're seeing people you know, in this intimate moment with God, and you're like, yeah, I know this is supposed to happen, but it's just a little Strange, You see people, whether they're lifting hands or clapping, maybe, maybe you saw people nail, kneel down on the altar, but um, whatever that was. But here's today's big idea when it comes to worship. I want you to really wrap your heart around this. We show love by expressing it, and worship is an expression of love to God. We show love by expressing it. I mean, could you imagine if somebody never expressed any love to you ever in any form? Would you think they loved you? Okay, like my dad, for instance, um, he was terrible at expressing love, the world's worst. Matter of fact, my brother was 37 years old before he heard the words, I love you, right? My dad's dad died early, he didn't learn how to be a dad, did the best he could. The way he did it was, you know, he, he just tried to, you know, like give money or help do things like that. Well, after, you know, after my mom passed, he was in a kind of a conundrum, because mom was the gift giver. She was the most bubbly, outgoing woman ever, Like, if you met her and she liked you, which she liked everybody, the only few people she didn't like, she literally would get your address and you would get a card in the mail every holiday and even your birthday. She just loved to do that. So when my mom passed in 12, dad kind of had to pick the slack up for this stuff. And he didn't know what to do. So the first Thanksgiving after mom passed... My wife and I, uh, we were in, Ch- and I think at that point, um, yeah, we were in Virginia at that point, and we get a card, because my dad was in North Carolina, in the mail at Thanksgiving, and it was not, he didn't say to us or love dad, it just had a $100 bill in it. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've ever got a card. I mean, I was very thankful for it, you know, but I was like... I don't think I've ever gotten a card on Thanksgiving with money. And do it's, it's, it, people do that, right? And so that's how my dad expressed love. So like, even though it was a different form of love, he expressed love. Well, think about it. What's the number one thing that Jesus asked us to do in the New Testament when he says, what's the greatest commandment? Is to love God with all of your heart with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and all of your strength. That's like the, so that's like the mark of a Christ follower is that affections are stirred. I had a conversation with someone today about this who just went on the mission trip, and they come back talking about the things of the kingdom. He said people who are supposedly Christians are like, like people getting saved, and thank God doing these things, and praying for people, and there's a, And, and, and so many times what happens is as Christ followers, we think if to be a Christ follower I just got to believe, like, you know, I believe in Jesus, I believe in the Bible, and I go to church. But the mark of a Christ follower is that your affections are stirred for God in some way, right? That you love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And worship is an expression of that. And there's many different expressions of worship. When you look at the Bible, it didn't come from, like, the Pentecostals didn't capture worship, you know, the the, the Methodists didn't capture liturgy, and like, that's the way. It it really, from the Bible, is what shapes worship for us. So, for instance, in the Bible, it tells us, it actually commands us to clap our hands. Now, that was weird for me when I first started church, right? I just didn't want to do that. I thought it was strange. Now, some of you don't clap, and I'm very thankful because you know that you're off beat, right? (laughs) You're doing us all a favor. (laughs) Let's just be real about it. Some people are rhythmically challenged. Uh, There's also other ways of worshiping God. The Bible even says worship God in silence. Do you know that you can sit alone in total silence and clear your mind and say, God, I just want to push every worldly thought out and just sit in your presence. That's worship. Sometimes it's kneeling. Sometimes it's lifting hands. Sometimes it's, engaging and thanking God for what he's done for you verbally. There's many different ways to worship, right? But listen, we, we show our love by expressing it. And so if we're to love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then there should be some expression to it. Uh, my son has finally got it. I tell him, I'll say, son, you know what? You know what? And, and he, he kind of bites the, the, the bait. He'll go, what? But now, now he'll, he'll jump the gun and say, I know, daddy, you love me very much. So I'll say, son, you know what? I love you, man. You're my favorite person in the whole world. You know, and now he jumps the gun because I expressed that to him. And I think that that's where we should be as Christ followers to our Father in Heaven is that our affections are stirred and that we're worshiping. Well, today... I'm going to talk about one way, and for some of us, it's going to be weird if you grew up like me um, in the Methodist church singing Amen, is actually lifting of hands and what the Bible says about that. Because it's not like something one group does, and that's what they do, or one person, um, but it's actually expressed. And I, I don't know if you guys have heard of Tim Hawkins. If you haven't, you've got to look up Tim Hawkins. He's a Christian comedian. He actually goes through and talks about the different types of hand lifters in church. He says there are the hand lifters that hold the TV. Are there any holding the TV hand in here, right? He said, there's some that actually get the big screen. (laughs) Then others are, how big is my fish? (laughs) There's still the ones who say, Jesus is number one, right? Any number one Jesus people in here, right? You're going to find yourself in here some way, all right? There are others. There's actually the single lady worship where you're like, I'm single, and I love Jesus, and we can love Jesus together. Just saying, right? There's also, there's also high five in Jesus because he's so awesome. You ever done that? What about, what, what, what about the beauty pageant one? Also known as Mr Miyagi's wax on, wax off, right? And then there's what's just really popular among young people at like camps and different things like that, they go to these big concerts, it's, it's, it's I'm going to block the shot, I'm going to block the shot, full court press, defense, blocking the shot, right? So there's, there's all different types of ways that people do that, and it's funny to kind of tease that out a little bit and look at it, but seriously, Scripture speaks about lifting of hands and what that means to those who individually did it, and then why God would even command in certain parts of Scripture for us to do that. It's like, God, why would you ask for us to do that? And I want us to dig in today, and I want us to take the same mindset that the wise men had, that we're going to come to worship God. We're going to express our love to God, and and, and we're going to actually look at, man, is it biblical for us to actually lift our hands to the Lord? So look at Psalm 63, verse 1. King David wrote this psalm in Psalm 63, verse 1, going through a very difficult time. And here's what he writes there. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I mean, do you sense the desperation in King David's voice here, in his tone, in his writing? He's desperate for God. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you feel the same way today. As this Christmas season approaches, we see empty chairs of loved ones who used to be with us. As the Christmas season approaches, maybe you're struggling about, man, how am I going to get money to pay for gifts? See, I, I don't know where you're at. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe personally you're facing depression like many people do during this season that you're going through. And I want you to look at what David says. He's like longing for God. He's thirsting for God. There's this hunger for God. He says in verse 2 this, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture God's love is even better than life itself. I love this. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And you see, you see what David's saying here? He's not thanking God because life's really good. He's in a season where life is bad, but God is good, and that's where praise really comes out. When things are going haywire around you, but you don't dictate how good God is based on how good things are around you. Will somebody help? Just say amen and let me know that I'm okay. Right? And look what he says in in verse 4. He says, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will express my heart of worship to you, God. You know, when I first gave my life to Jesus, um, I did not grow up in church. I didn't like, you know, I I stopped going when I was about nine. My grandmother passed and just kind of chose not to go back to church. And I got saved in a Pentecostal church. And if you've ever been there, I mean, they clap, they shout, they yell. I mean, they, they do like every expression to the nth degree. They're like... You are know, not just going to lift up your hands. You're going to hold them up the whole service like this the whole time. You know, like, just kind of, I was just kind of like, I will not clapping. I was just like, oh, this is kind of weird. And I'm, I'm a private person. I'm not a very public person. I'm not very, you know, a very emotional person. My, I'm more like my dad when it comes to that. So I didn't want to like, I mean, looking at me lifting my hands or clapping. I'm not doing that stuff. And that's, that's where I was at. I'm just, not, I'm just not doing that. You know, I love God. Don't, you know, I'm not going to have to do all that stuff. Well, I'll never forget, I had a Psalm 63 experience. When I was, I just gave my life to Jesus, about, about a year into it, our band was on tour and we were in Cornerstone. Uh, if you ever heard of that, it was one of the largest Christian music festivals there ever was. Like 40,000 Christians would gather, bands would play. And so we were halfway through a tour, 10 week tour, going all the way through to California, with North Carolina, Illinois, Washington State, all the way back down the U.S. And halfway through, so we're playing this festival in Illinois. Am I from Illinois in here? Oh, we, we do. I see that hand. God bless your hand. Um, back there. It's the hottest place on earth during the summer. Like, literally, I think it rivals Texas. It's just so stinking hot. Like, we just literally, like, during the daytime, we laid around in a tent in just shorts because all the band, all the, we were just band, you know, guys were like, we we're so hot. So, anyway, we're playing this show at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was extremely hot. And my drummer's like, hey, let's not do this song. I don't want to do it. I'm really, really hot. Now... Sanctification means becoming more like Jesus, okay? So, over 16 years, I really believe I've become more like Jesus. I wasn't as much like Jesus back then. So, give me some grace here. Don't look at me with a side eye. But I like said something really jerky to him. Like, you're going to play this song, bro. We didn't come here, not, but this is like one of our top songs. You're going to play this song. And then I said something really smart in the microphone about him to everybody. Yeah. 16 years, y'all, don't look at me like that. And uh, he, he played the song, he played the set, and he got done, he was a very timid guy, and we're still great friends to this day, but he kicks over the drum set, knocks it all over in anger, and he tore a rib muscle doing that. And he fell to the ground, couldn't hardly breathe, you know, ribs are important, if you've ever heard of them, you, you know, and uh, they don't seem important to you, do you heard them, and then so like... And, and he wouldn't let me even talk to him. He's like, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. And so it was horrible. And he's like, I just want to go home. Just give you a, a bus ticket. And so I had some friends carry him to the hospital, get him checked out. And, of course, it wasn't a broken rib. It was just, you know, there. And then, but that night, like, I was like, man, this is it. Tour's over. My dream's over. We're going home because I'm a stupid jerk. And that's how I thought. Just, that's just, that's what I felt myself. And I was just really broken. And I went by the lake that night, and there was a band called One Worship out there, and they were worship, just, you know, doing worship music. And I went and I sat down, and I just began to weep because I was just so overwhelmed with guilt, with frustration, with heartbreak, um, embarrassed of what I had done. And that night, sitting there with hundreds of people around me on, a, on like a, 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 in grass, we're all sitting there, I knelt down. And I actually began to lift my hands to God. And I was like, I don't care who sees me or what they think. I need you, God. I'm in a des- dry and desperate land. I'm in a desperate place. And God, I am crying out to you tonight. God, I need you. I surrender. Forgive me. I mean, everything you can think of. And in that moment, I began, something shifted in my life about the priority of worship, the next couple of days, we were at Cornerstone and weren't planning shows. Um, the good thing is, I repented to, to my brother. You know, I went to him and said, you know, I said, man, I'm sorry. I failed you, and, and I, you know, we'll get you a bus ticket, man. Matter of fact, we'll just go home, tour's over. And, you know, and we really sat there, and I just asked for his forgiveness, and he forgave me. We actually continued the tour. He couldn't play for about a week um, with that. But that was something where not only did I worship God, but I saw God tangibly get involved in my life in that situation. And so when you look at that like that whole thing, I mean, I, I know how some of you feel. You're like man, you know, this is a weird sermon. Like, like, why why this stuff? Because it's a point in your life where you get so desperate, you just stop caring what people think. Because I really cared what people thought about me in church. And then I became the guy who was, like, up front, just lifted my hands to God. I was like, I don't care what any of you knuckleheads think. Because this is my life. This is my God. And I love Him. He redeemed me. Maybe He didn't do that for you. But I knew what He had done for me. And I became this, like, you know, kind of radical worshiper that I didn't grow up in a church environment that taught me that. It's something that was birthed out of a love for God and a desperation for God I mean you got to think about why would why would God like actually ask us to to lift our hands up that's one of the crazy things he actually he actually commands and this is crazy this is weird he commands Timothy to tell people to do that watch this in first Timothy 2.8 he says, therefore, I want the men everywhere, this is 1 Timothy eight to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I want the men everywhere. Now, 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 you look at that, you think like, okay, he wants people everywhere to do this. No, in this scripture, it's actually the dudes. Like, it's not just Anthropos as mankind is actually focused on just men here. And you're like, why men? Well, let me... Give my own opinions, because Paul doesn't say why here, okay? This is just opinions, and your opinions may differ. Opinions like armpits. Everyone has a few, and some of them stink. <laughs> All right? That one's free. My opinion is this. Number one, most men think that worship is a chick thing. It's like a ch- you know, chicks are kind of emotional and kind of, uh, yeah. you know, and guys like, oh, man, I'm, I ain't doing that. But I think more than anything else, and it could be even pride, I'm not sure, maybe more than anything else. God wants the men to lead the way in their families. There's something about it when a man steps up and says, we're serving Jesus. Like the whole thing in the book of Acts, like Jason, the the jailer, gets saved. And it says him and his whole household got saved. Now, that doesn't mean that they all accepted Jesus, Like when he got saved. That meant this, y'all, we're going to church. When the man makes the decision, the whole family begins to change, Right? And I really think this, men, lead the way in worship. Let your children see you express love to God. Let them catch you praying for them. Let them catch you loving Jesus, and that will affect their life. Guys, don't let your wives outworship you. Don't let your children outworship you. Man, step up and lead the way because that is what changes families think about it when Pharaoh wanted to destroy a nation in the Old Testament he wanted to destroy the male firstborn not that women don't matter and, and I mean I'm not, I'm not saying men are better than women none of that stuff I'm just saying that's what he did and I think when men step up in a family and say we're worshiping Jesus nah y'all we tithing my wife missed three or four months I thought you... we're going back pay then like when a man leads the way it makes a difference in the family. I believe Paul says and say, men, lead the way in worship. Lead the way in prayer. It will affect your family. John Maxwell is probably the, in the 20th century, and even 21st century, the foremost in leadership. If you want to study anything on Christian leadership and leadership in general, John Maxwell's the man, okay? He tells a story of his dad, Melvin Maxwell. He said that Melvin Maxwell, and he said when you when when go to, to his office, He said there were two divots in his dad's carpet. And as a young man, first he wondered why those divots were there. He said, and then one day he went up to the office to go in to see his dad. And he heard his dad calling out his name, like like John's name, to the Lord. And he peeked through the door and looked. And his dad had upraised hands. And he was crying out that God would use his son in a major way. He said when they cleaned his office out, they had to change the carpet when his dad retired from being the pastor there because the carpet was completely worn because he was praying. Let me just interject. Men, let your children catch you praying. Lead the way in prayer. My son, when he gets a boo-boo, now he knows to pray, right? We pray for that. But here's the cool thing. Bonnie, our kids' director, when they stopped in at at, at Isabel's um, with the kids, and Bonnie had a, a thing on her wrist. He says, what's that? And he's like, He was only two and a half at this point. It's like, well, I hurt my, my wrist. And he said, Jesus, I pray to make it better. Amen. Amen. You know, I want my son to see me love the local church, me leaned into the mission of Jesus, me having my affection stirred. I, I don't want him to see some nominal man who just kind of gets drugged to church by, by a wife, but lead the way, man. I believe that's why Paul put that in there is because it's so critically important for our children to see us set the standard there I mean again why would God put this in scripture to command to lift hands that's weird here's what I personally believe God loves to see his children expressing love to him some of you still don't believe me case in point I I have an honest confession to make I don't really like babies (gasps) I heard the gasp there's a reason my wife and I waited nine and a half years to have a child. Because they come in babies first, right? I, you know, I'd never held a baby in my life until I held my son. Never. Because, like, I was scared their heads were dent in. I'm also a germaphobe, so I was scared they would, like, spit up on me. I was like, I don't want that. I saw my friends walk around with spit up on them. I still have never had that on me, even as a dad. Boom. Like, it can happen. My son doesn't drink after me. None of that stuff. My wife does it. So, like, I just did not. And babies are, they they can't talk. They just, like, look at you, and they just, and you guys have babies poop a lot, a lot. Like, more than a toddler. Like, people say, it gets so much worse as they get older. No, it's actually better. It's less, right? And so, yes, I'm like, come on. I'm sorry. I, I have a toddler, guys. It's the world I live in. Please forgive me. So, when he was first born it was a labor of love i wasn't like oh this cute little baby i'm so happy i was like oh this is grueling why did we do this well it's because i love this child and i really do and i do love him but this i don't sleep he doesn't sleep this is why do people do this (laughs) the first year was very difficult and any men with newborn babies in here i'm telling you it gets better so like for me, though, the breaking point was when Dawson could actually do the Frankenstein walk. And, right, you know, you guys know the Frankenstein walk? You're taught that. And he, And he would reach his hands up and say, da-da. That was like, this is why they do it. I know I mean, why people have babies. I thought it was because of taxes. I didn't know. I made it to get more money. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it was a mandate. They made, you know, just maybe the wife. I don't know why they have I knew when that happened. I was like this is why they have babies. This is cool. You have to get to that really hard part. But they, and so now when he holds his hands up, he's still, he's, still, he's, almost, he's almost three. And he's, he's, my name to him is Dad. Dada. He says Dad, Dad, Da," because he just got like my nickname. And like, this is anything you want, man. Anything you want. Like the other day, I'm teaching him secrets, but I'm like, don't tell mom this. We went to the hospital to go see her, um, where she works at. And so like, I saw this wheelchair, and he was like, Dada, can we, can we ride that? I was like, no, no, we'll get in trouble. He's like, Dada, come on, put me in other. I was like, let's do it. And we just like, for like 10 minutes, we're just going around the hospital and him in a wheelchair, and he's loving it. And I was like, don't tell mommy. He's like, okay, come on, tell mom. He's like, you know, like, 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 this is why I have a, but there's something that happens to me. I'm the, I, I love kids at the toddler age. I could literally go in there and work in it. Not a shameless plug, but I would, if, if y'all would let me do video sermons every week, I'd be in there with those little kids. I love it. Like, Almost like, I came here really late one time because I was actually in there playing with the kids. Um, when I stopped by, I saw him, I was like, oh, I've got to play with these kids. I love it when my child can express that. And when he does that, my heart melts. How much more our Heavenly Father, when we look at him and say, I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad.'" Dad, Dad, can I have this? I mean, even like, you know, like in that that, that, that wonder uh, of a child, like, Dad, Dad, can I I have this? And we we lift our, I believe that's how God views us when we worship him. When we express our love to him, that he loves to see us love him and express our love to him. Look what James said. The half-brother of Jesus wrote this as he wrote to, to believers who were scattered in the New Testament. He said, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, dad, dad. And he draws near to you. If you ever feel distant from God, here's what God would say. I hadn't moved. You did. And if if you draw near to him, God's natural response is, I'm going to draw near to you. I'm going to draw near to you. Look what David wrote again in a very tough time in his life. In Psalm 141 verse 1. He says, oh, Lord, I'm calling to you. Please hurry. Have you been praying prayers like that? Please hurry. <laughs> yeah, like Amazon Prime, God. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> some of y'all got that. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. It was actually an offering to God. There's times we give you know, money offerings or maybe you, you serve God. That's an offering. But there's times it's a sacrifice for some of us and we just worship God as an offering to him, lifting our heart up to him. As we close today, some of you are going through a battle in your life. We, we got the trees up and you came in and we're singing Christmas songs and you're going through all this. As I mentioned before, some of you are going through a season of depression. So This is a tough season for you. So others of you in here, your marriages are struggling. I've been there myself. And you're wondering, God, please change that person. And God said, I need to change you. But, but you know, you're know, you praying that. Maybe financially, as I said, you know, you're like, I don't know where money's going to come from. I don't know what we're going to do for Christmas. It may be a health issue where you got a bad report from the doctor. Maybe a layoff. I don't know where you're at today. But I do know this. Another sign of worship the bible in lifting hands is in a time of war or battle when you're going through something a matter of fact in exodus it's, it's important here in exodus 17 verse 10 it says this it says so joshua fought the amalekites as moses had ordered and moses aaron and her went to the top of the hill and watch this in verse 11 as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites, um, the Amalekites were winning. So he lifted his hands, the Israelites won. He lowered his hands, Amalekites won. He did this, he did the carry the TV, and there's a tie. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> but there's a correlation. Like, you're thinking, we're going into battle, God. Can you not just give us a Rambo gun? Like, and God's like, no, 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 I want you to worship Many times in the, New, in the Old Testament, you see them going to the battle worshiping as their strategy in a tough time. And, and, and today, I want to encourage you, just like I went through that Psalm 63 moment when I was on that grassy knoll, and man, I was crying and pouring my heart out to God and lifting my hands, and I saw a breakthrough happen, and God met me in my moment. I want to encourage you in the same way, that maybe for you, your moment is learning to worship God and employing that as your strategy. Because you're trying to figure out things, you're, you're crunching numbers, you're doing this, you're doing that, and God's saying, You know what I really want? I want you to worship me. Because when you lift your hands, you're going to find victory. Do you know the funny thing about Christianity is lifting of hands equals two things. Number one, it's victory. But number two, it's surrender. If somebody puts a gun to you, what do you do? I surrender. And that's what it is in worshiping Jesus. You're simultaneously saying, Jesus, I surrender, but in the same moment you're gaining victory as you do that. That's the that's an oxymoron, it would seem. But that's how God works in his kingdom. And what I want to do today is we're going to actually take some time to worship. I don't want you running out and trying to beat people to the buffet line and, and you know trying to beat everybody out. You'll get time to do that, don't worry. But some of you need God to meet you in a major way if you will stand to your feet I want us to pray together and just close our eyes for a second before our team starts leading us in worship and I want to pray for you as we enter this time of sacred worship that as you surrender to Jesus and as you lift your hands in victory God's going to meet you where you are Father I don't know what some of these folks are going through in here God But you do. Father, there's loneliness and depression. For others of us in here, God, we're we're struggling in relationships. Maybe it's struggling financially, and God, we don't know how you're going to come through. But God, we do know one thing as we look at Scripture the greatest in your kingdom had one strategy. And that was to lift their hands to you and cry out to Abba, Father, saying, Dad, Dad, I love you. Dad, Dad, I need you. Dad, Dad, I surrender to you. Today, Father, as a church, before we go out into our crazy, busy lives and back into the hectic world, we want to pause, Father. We want to lift our hearts to you today. And we want to cry out to you today, God that you, Father, would meet us where we're at, that you would meet us in the most holy and sacred of moments in this day. Let's just worship Jesus in here, guys. With our hearts bowed, our hearts lifted, our eyes closed, Lord, let's just worship Jesus in here.